Courage to Hope with Tony LaGreca is a show supporting the fight for sobriety against substance abuse and changing the stigma that comes along with it. Tony has been helping families, friends, and loved ones discover recovery services as well as coping skills for over six years following the death of his own son to opioids. Join Tony and his guests each week as they reveal the courage to hope. Here's your host, Tony LaGreca. Thank you, Ben. This is Tony LaGreca, and this is Courage to Hope. And tonight's guest is Ken Brack. Ken Brack is one of the founders with his wife, Denise, of Hope Floats in Kingston. Welcome, Ken. Thanks, Tony. Great to be here. Okay. I understand that on October 1st, you have a special event coming up. Could you give me an, uh, an explanation of what the event is and all the things that we're going to do for this event? Happy to. On Saturday the 1st, uh, Hope Floats is resuming our community memory walk, which is a gathering of many families and, and friends uh, to honor their loved ones and as they see fit. And what we do is uh, we gather in the morning and the walk takes off about 10 o'clock. In Kingston, we're at 4 Elm Street, uh, right in the old Main Street area. And it's a, a gorgeous walk down to Kingston's Harbor waterfront and back about a little over three miles. Um, takes most people about 50 minutes or so. Uh, but it's it's a really a community day. And I, I mean that in the in a broad sense uh, that it's it even though we're based obviously in the South Shore, Kingston next next to Plymouth, uh, Hope Floats were a nonprofit bereavement center, and I'll tell you more, I'll be glad to do that in a moment. Um, there are families and uh, parents and, and uh, those with with some of their kids as well who come down from all from greater Boston um, and even some of the, the Metro West area to Hope Floats. And, and on this day, um, you know, those of us who are unfortunately have been on this path after losing a loved one, we come together and it's a day of camaraderie. Uh, it's it's bittersweet, of course, but it's also uplifting and we have a really uh, peaceful, beautiful grounds that we start on. Coming back, um, everyone has a lunch and there's raffles and, and music going and uh, a time to to be with those who can can support you. And um, and you, you do it, you know, privately while you're there and have those moments or, or also come together uh, as a larger group. And so, uh, Tony, want me to just introduce Hope Floats a little more or? Yeah, let's start from the beginning. So. How and why did Hope Floats, um, how did it happen to exist? Hope Floats Healing and Wellness Center is a public charity, uh, nonprofit, 501c3. And it came about because of the tragedy in our lives, uh, Denise and I and our uh, you know, surviving son, uh, Chris and Amanda, they lost their brother, our son, Michael, almost 20 years ago in a horrible car crash um, that also killed another young man, a friend of Michael's. And from that, both of us, Denise and I, felt what can we do to help another family going through the same crisis, the worst trial imaginable for, for any family is there a way we could reach out and provide a 
start a resource center of some form uh, for starting with parents so they're not so alone and that some ways to help uh, go forward through time. And there's no definitions as to how long or what that journey may be like, um, but some way to provide support. Um, that's That was the idea for Hope Floats that my wife Denise had a couple years after we lost Michael. Took a while naturally to get it started. And we were able to come across um, an old house in the center of Kingston, as I uh, mentioned, which is just has peaceful grounds. Um, and we added a, a small uh, building in the back, which we call a wellness barn for some wellness programs, such as yoga classes, um, Reiki, um, some other uh, mind-body healing offerings for people that, that go alongside with the main thing that we do, which is providing free support groups. And the support groups are the key. That's, that's what's really grown. It started out largely for parents like ourselves. Um, over the past, say, seven or eight years, we've really expanded to have more uh, programs for entire families, um, for the children, um, uh, someone who's lost a sibling or a mom and dad, um, as well as um, the adult care group, give her mom, dad, the, uh, maybe grandmother or aunt or someone, whoever is there can meet in a group that night. That program is called Mike's Club. Uh, and uh, as the fall, we go with the school year and Mike's Club meets every other week. Um, it's about, you know, 18 weeks in total following the school year. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's bittersweet because the demand is, is always there. It keeps growing. Uh, this fall, uh, we have about 70 children and teens and uh, 50 or so adults. Um, that number will likely grow throughout the year. And how it's kind of set up, uh, Mike's Club is organized, um, you know, for the kids' ages so that they're grouped appropriately developmentally. Um, there's a littles group, and that's ages 5 to 6, middles uh, 7 to 12, I believe, and then a, then a true teen group, 13 through 18, or when they graduate from high school. Um, and then typically, um, you know, from high school, um, they're, they're doing what they do. Um, and meanwhile, the adults meet. Um, Mike's Club starts where everyone has pizza together, the families. Uh, and then it, it's organized around um, themes or topics that um, support uh, the children and teens in things like, um, you know, remembering the loved one, um, expressing something, perhaps dealing with a, a time like a difficult, particularly difficult time, say the upcoming holidays, um, or just dealing with some other, you know, other thing they may be going through. Um, coping skills is a big part of it. And for the adults, it's a chance to be together and uh, listen to one another. And, um, you know, and this is true for the, the all the support, the adult groups that we do, which I can mention a little bit later, um, the types, but it's a, a setting for us to to be together where you're not being judged, where you're, you're 
far less isolated than we often may be out in the, the everyday world because of course it's it, it's tough for others, your, your colleagues or even some of your family members, understandably, it's tough for them to, to uh, go over that bridge, if you will, um, to really see, hey, how, how are you doing today? How, how are you doing right now? Um, I know it's been a tough week and, you know, even apart from the time, say you're coming into the anniversary of a loved one's uh, death, um, there's, there's so many triggers, right? There's so many things that happen throughout the year. Um, it could be, you know, for an example, for us even, um, you know, our son Michael would be 38 right now. And uh, his friends, understandably, and some of, we're so thankful that some of them we stay in touch with a little bit. And, but his friends are raising families and that's, it's beautiful. It's natural. We, we all want that. There's always though, or it can be a pang of like, wow, wow, Mike, you know, Mike should be raising a family or Mike would have been at that wedding. And, uh, you know, he would, he would love his, his uh, friend's son seeing, meeting him so much. And so, you know, not, not everyone who's a little bit outside of what the family goes through can bridge that gap again and really accompany them where they are. And that's, that's maybe the essence of the groups, the support groups as I see it, is the accompaniment part where we walk together along the same road. And, you know, it's Tony, I appreciate being on, you know, Courage to Hope. That's so, such an apropos title for many for many reasons and, and your guests and everything. And, and, you know, courage in terms of, um, I was thinking about this the other day, someone else, a friend was mentioning it, that the courage for say an, an adult, I'm, you know, thinking of the adult groups or a dad like myself, the courage it takes for a dad or a mom um, or, or an aunt or a grandparent to want to come to a group and, and be with others and, you know, just to help maybe figure out what's going, you know, what's going on inside. Do I need to vent this? Have I really dealt with it yet? Because if you, if you never, if you never deal with it, um, if you push, push your grief back and stuff it back and that has a way of returning someday, maybe in an unhealthy way. Um, uh, so that, you know, the courage just to, to reach out, to seek others, and uh, support groups are are one way. They they certainly um, are not the only way, um, and they're not for everyone. For for uh, many of us, you know, and I'm speaking, you know, from a dad's experience too. That you know, for a lot of you know a lot of guys, we're uh, we're fixers problem solvers we go out and do things not necessarily i don't mean it in the sort of you know a, a general sense that we're all stoic or the macho you know so-called head of the families but we you know as as fathers we you know we want to provide for our sons and daughters we want them to have a better life and so some of us who go through this may the response may be i gotta you know i gotta work on that project i'm just going to bury myself in another, you know, in new work or whatever. Um, and 
being in a group or with other people is not exactly what you want. And that's understood. Yeah, we 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 call that John Wayne syndrome. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> those enough old enough to remember John Wayne, you know, Mr. Macho. Um, but I find that is a very dangerous scenario for someone to be in if they've lost a ch- they're a dad and they've lost a child. Um, sometimes that emotion can be overwhelming. And if you don't get a chance to sit with others who are like mine, you know, in the same in the same group, um, that can be very dangerous for mental health of that person. Um, I did a little math and just in Massachusetts alone, we've lost 4,000 individuals to overdoses in just in Massachusetts in the past two years. And if you think about that, that means there's 4,000 dads out there as well as 4,000 moms who have lost a child. And then that doesn't count car accidents or cancer or any of the other things. And, um, and what are these people doing? I mean, there aren't that many men's groups. You have a grief group for men, correct? Yes, we do. And uh, <clears> then <throat> there's one at Sad OD. And, and um, I don't know of many others. I know there's one starting soon in, um, in West Rock or Hyde Park, actually. But uh, that's it, you know. And so that means there's a lot of people out there who could use the services. Now, myself as a dad who lost my son in 2014, when I first came to Hope Floats, uh, I was skeptical, scared, nervous, all of the above. And the one thing that I remember mostly was that I started coming probably 30, 40 days after my son died. And um, I felt very comfortable and I felt welcomed. And then I, I sat with a mixed group, people who lost their son or daughter from a car accident or one was a bicycle and one, they, they died a variety of different reasons, not just substance use disorder. And, but still the pain was the same for all of us and got a chance. And it was a mixed group, men and women together, far more women than men. Um, And as time went on, we had the substance use group um, was kind of funneled out because there were so many in that category. It wasn't actually fair to the other ones who lost a child from cancer or some other reason. So uh, but it made a huge difference in my life. And that's one of the reasons why I, I want to give back to, because I know there's going to be other parents who are going to be right in the same boat where I was back in 2014, and they're going to need hope floats in the worst possible way. They just don't. We need to make sure that they have that connection available to them. But I think what, what happens there is a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal thing. Um, so a little... <clears throat> Um, logistics, how does one, when they, they, they feel that they'd like to be part of a group, and we should mention the different groups that you have, if you could just break out. I know we have Mike's group, but then we have the um, spousal loss, and we have the sibling loss and all the other ones. If you would go over that, and how do they, how do they sign up? What we do is, um, my wife Denise is the executive director of Hope Float, so uh, calling us or first checking on our website, which is hopefloatswellness.org. And uh, typically Denise um, or the managing director, um, Liz McKenna, 
who joined us in January, we'll just call back and, and just see where you're at and take a little information. The number of groups, I'll break it down a little bit. Uh, the types, um, what we've done with the adult groups over time is organize them for people with with different and distinctive experiences, unfortunately. Right now there's uh, 10 or 11 adult support groups. As you just mentioned, Tony, one uh, dad's group that I help facilitate um, and we, we meet every other week. Um, but there's a couple of groups um, for um, adult parents who've lost a child. Um, we have at least uh, one group um, that helps uh, support uh, parents who've lost a child to suicide and another one ongoing um, for those with an overdose loss. Uh, and there's a, another group, and I, and I think it's about to restart as well for um, older siblings and older, I, I mean, like in your 20s or 30s, um, who've lost a, uh, either, I mean, they're sibling lost either a sibling or a parent so a, a young adults support group um, who've not lost a child themselves um, so those are the the major other ones in the past um, we have had a support group um, for lgbtq loss and their partners um, that is not a current uh right now this fall but i'm sure that's going to return soon um and i think that's those are the all of them for the adult group. There might be another um, child loss group as well. And uh, and Tony, you just spoke of the just in the case of overdose loss. Those numbers for Massachusetts, the four thousand or so losses, uh, is is just astounding. And the you know the needs have been there for many years, and they they seem to keep increasing. Um, it's heartbreaking when we are contacted um, by an adult or a, a parent um, about their circumstances. And, you know, the, the COVID epidemic has um, come into play as well again. And that's that's made things even more complicated uh, for some people. But um, that's not, you know, an overriding uh, um, aspect of it. It's it's definitely a a part of what um, Hope Floats has seen in our in our families, but are you still doing uh, part of the groups on Zoom? Uh, some of the groups are uh, most have returned in person. There's a couple of groups that offer Zoom as an option, and uh, during the pandemic, uh, a few of the groups um, attracted uh, people from various states. So, of course, you know, remote um, accessing it remotely on Zoom was helpful. And, and one, uh, I think one of the overdose loss groups, excuse me, I think he, uh, the facilitator is still uh, offering that on Zoom. The dads group, we're doing that as well. We, we have a, a one, one dad who's disabled and lives in another state who joins us every time on Zoom. And so it, it's, it's a helpful option. Um, you know, not always easy to um, sort of negotiate that, if, especially if you have um, a large group, you know, say with over 15 people. And that's one thing on the, the, the numbers or the sort of the complexity of the group. Uh, some of the groups are fairly small. And I would say, 
you know, intimate, such as a dad's group. We have eight or 10 men and um, who've really gotten to know each other and are, and are just incredible in their support. Other groups um, may have 15, 18 is about the largest, um, but some of the groups have gotten pretty big, unfortunately. Um, and so the, you know, there's a need to try to try to create an additional space um, for some of these. One thing I'd like to tell you that my group, I, <clears throat> for those that didn't know, I did a group for about almost three years. I was a facilitator. Um, after I was a client, I became a facilitator. And we had a total of 18, but some were in and out. But it's been over two years now since we we were a group. And we still have dinner at least once a month somewhere together where all is invited to come back. And so we have pick a restaurant somewhere south of Boston or a um, variety of different places where we can eat outdoors, indoors. And, um, and everybody is stay, stuck together and they're on, they're on um, messenger. Um, and I can see all the, the threads on messenger and it's been a constant thing. If something happens to one of them or something good, like they got remarried or something or everybody is gets involved and if something negative happens they also get involved everybody uh shares and helps each other and i think that um that's one of the things that you don't understand in the beginning you know that uh, these these will become your friends your friends who will totally understand who you are and what's going on in your mind you know and, and they're talking about you know some of them might have anxiety when they're in a supermarket or a certain song may trigger somebody and you need to talk to someone and they call each other and they email each other, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a great thing to be able to have that, that outreach to, to go after, you know, to have this togetherness for such a long time. Um, and it's still going. So I don't know how long it'll go, but it'll, it's still going. And I think that's one of the things that, um, people who are on the outside uh, need to understand. Um, it's kind of frightening in the beginning, but um, it won't take long once you make it through that door and get in the room and sit with others. Um, and again, uh, you're being very, uh, I, I want to say, underplaying the, the facility. This facility has got every comfort of home. You're in a giant living room nice couches, nice chairs. Uh, the environment is very good. It's cool in the summer and warm in the winter. And, um, and it's, it's very comforting and very homey. So if you, you know, if you're looking to join a grief group, this is the place to do it. And um, just call Denise and all this information is on the website. So would you like to give out the information on the website? Sure. And it, yep. I neglected for obviously our phone number, Hope Floats is at 781-585-4221. 781-585-4221. Uh, Denise Brack is the executive director or Liz McKenna, our managing director, and you'll hear their, you know, their extensions. Um, the website is hopefloatswellness.org. Uh, and if you're, if you'd like to, um, feel the need to, or uh, be, if it would be helpful to uh, walk in memory of a loved one, no matter 
whether it's been very recent or, or several years and just, just want to do it, if you're up for it, um, you could register on the website for our memory walk, which is Saturday, October 1st. Um, the weather is looking good, which, which we're not, we would not be surprised um, to have a, just a crisp, sunny fall day. Uh, we've never, the weather's really never let us down. Um, for these walks. This will be the eighth walk, by the way. Um, we did uh, have to postpone. It used to be in the spring. Uh, so the spring of 2020, as COVID kind of came through, we did not do it. Um, last fall, we did kind of a virtual walk, but, but very low key. So we're very excited to return in person and welcome, you know, it could be four or 500 people on the lawn. We've had 500 um, guests and, and staff and volunteers before um, will not be surprised. Um, the town of Kingston is incredible, um, kind of hosting us. We have full support um, in that community sense and, you know, in the, in the broader community. And uh, it's a way for a lot of people also to come and, and kind of give back. You know, some of the families or adults who've gone through our support groups, as we're telling you about, uh, just that giving back, um, it, you know, it's a, there's a circle there, if you believe in that, karma, whatever you want to call it. And that's something that keeps lifting up um, Denise and myself and her team. And we have just scores of volunteers. I'm putting together the road crew list and, you know, emails and just roles and, and such. And um, give you another quick aside, we actually sort of concurrently with this uh, a week from Thursday, we have a big volunteer event and one of our sponsors, um, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts has a volunteer day, um, which just happens to be that Thursday before the walk. So we're going to have 30 Blue Cross Blue Shield colleagues uh, out in the gardens and painting and doing this and that to help spruce up uh, a beautiful grounds. Um, so it just, you know, we're we're really lifted uh, by by all the volunteers and the spirit that comes into it. That's terrific. And I would like to bring up a story for you that you might not know. I, I walked several times in the, in, the, in the memory walk. And one time I was totally by myself and um, there was a woman walking a few feet behind me and I started to have a conversation with her. And I asked her who she was walking for in memory of, and she said her uncle. And I was quite surprised. And she told me that she did not know where her uncle was or what happened to him during World War II. And because of social media, one day she got an email stating that um, this family in, in Holland had uh, been taking care of a of a person who was in the military who had passed away and they actually built a cemetery for them uh, in their backyard. And they had this um, cemetery plot right in their own property and they were taking care of it with flowers and, um, um, and keeping the grounds looking nice uh, because they realized that these, that the soldier, American soldiers helped rescue them and free them from the Nazi Germany. And they sent, they emailed her and asked her. Now, the whole time her mother had never known 
what happened to her, her brother. And she, they got a hold of this woman and they actually sent his dog tags to verify that it was the correct person. And the people who were taking care of them obviously were alive in World War II. Uh, they were in their 90s and they were worried that they weren't going to be able to maintain the cemetery anymore. And they reached out to her and she was walking in memory of her uncle and her mother who had died just before they found out that the uncle was was buried in Holland. Um, and she actually was planning a trip to go there to see, to meet the people and take care of everything. I thought it was pretty amazing, you know, um, you, you, people can walk for so many different reasons uh, when it comes to memory of a loved one. They sure can. That That's an extraordinary connection. And yes, th those things happen. And um, not to, to uh, uh, violate anyone's privacy, but we have a, um, you know, a neighbor who um, some years ago came up to us and, and told me that she had lost her brother when you know when she was i don't know six or seven years old or something and felt like her family parents closed the room and didn't wouldn't talk about him and that was just the way a lot of people handled grief back then was to kind of shudder it and try not to make it worse and and but she wanted to do something and just we have a little garden or one of the gardens here um has uh bricks put in with a loved one's name and a short message. And um, she wanted to do something for her, her late brother. And um, it, it can take many years and, uh, but coming together on a day, like for the walk, uh, people do make some extraordinary connections. And one thing to note from the past and uh, some years we've had these uh, pockets of of community support and what I mean is um, say it, uh, a high school uh, has lost a student from some tr tragedy well one year I believe it was Rockland High there were three sudden deaths of their students and there was um, you know just large groups of, of friends and and you know parents who came from Rockland and they they were just they were there for those those three kids and they were they were uh you know just a a wonderful force in a way but yet no one would ever have wanted them to have to be there but they gathered they 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 had that energy and they were supporting one another and this was a place where that's meant for that and it's open to that and um, we were we were just happy they could make it, um, despite it all. I remember other groups of somebody who's lost from substance use disorder. They, a lot of groups put a picture of the person who passed on a T-shirt and called it so-and-so's squad or someone's group. And, and there would be 10 to 20 people from the same, with the same T-shirt on, yeah. uh, walking as a group. And that's something for anybody out there who might like to do that, you know, um, keep in mind that that's one, another thing that can be done. And now speaking of t-shirts, um, they 
when they sign up to do the walk, do they get a T-shirt like in the old, the last Yes, they sure years? do. Yes. Yep. T-shirts come with it and uh, a little lunch, a sandwich wrap and drinks. And we have a big cake at some point at the end that gets cut up. Um, there's lots of raffles there to, to check out if you're interested in that. We also, for kids, uh, there's a face painting station again. Um, and there'll be some other, uh, you know, creative things going for the kids, I think. And I know we'll have some, um, some great music with Ben from WMEX right there running the show as he's done in the past. Uh, and also some acoustic, um, live music from a colleague at, at Hope Floats. Um, so that, you know, there'd be a lot, lot going on, but also quiet spaces where, it, lots of gardens and um, places where people can just hang out privately if, they, if they'd like to. I will also be there with Ben. So if anybody would like to meet uh, two guys from the WMEX crew, Uncle Tony, which is what they know me by on my other show, and, uh, and Ben, Buddy Ben, as we note him on, the, on his show, um, we will be there and we'll be open to... Uh, to Introduce yourself and let's uh, let's talk. You know, we'll be there and it'll be great. Now, should they bring chairs for the lawn billet thing? Is or do you have enough chairs for everybody? Um, we have just about enough. I mean, it's nothing wrong with bringing a fold up. You know, simple lawn chair. Um, I mean, I probably have sixty or seventy chairs and. Um, it's a good idea to have a backup, yeah. I uh, I would agree. Throw them in your car, and can they can they park at the um, Beal House next door? Is that going to be available? Good question. Uh, in Kingston, there's a couple of parking options very close to Four Elm Street, where Hope Floats is, and again, we're right off of Main Street. Um, there is the Beal House First Parish Church, which is literally next door on Main Street just a little bit down to the east of that, closer to Route 3, uh, Mayflower Congregational Church has a great parking lot. They're terrific. Um, further west um, on 106 or 27, um, and it's about a five-minute walk is St. Joseph's Parish. Um, very generous. They've always helped out with that. And in addition, close by uh, the town of Kingston's library on Green Street is another parking opportunity um so there's there's several so i think it's real important that when you you say for elm street but route 27 and route 106 um is the main is the main routes in the front yes um and that's very easy access and if you're coming down route three you know, you get off at the kingston the second kingston exit and um help me out with the new number uh, where, where, um, I'm at a where, loss. I'm still confused. It used to be exit seven, <laughs> but it is, yeah. it's the route 3A North Plymouth slash Kingston exit. And right. It, and then, yeah. And if you go in southbound, exit 20 is the other Kingston exit. It's the one after that one. Yeah. Make it simple to, to figure out. Okay. But it's very close. It's, it's within a mile. Uh, of Route 3, um, easy to get to, and, uh, you know, it, very easy to walk to from any of the parking places we just mentioned. And for timing, again, um, we will have registration that day um, 
on site starting at 8.30. Uh, the walk um, takes off. It's usually about 10, 10, but we, you know, we organize it around 10 o'clock. So think 10 o'clock, um, be back around 11, lunch on the lawn and stay as late as you would like to. And one other quick note is even though we are dog lovers, um, we ask people not to bring pets just in case for any, you know, anyone who's not comfortable or to avoid anything like that. Okay. Now, when they do cross the road, which they will be crossing Route 53, you do have um, police escort to make sure that they can stop and patrol the traffic, correct? Absolutely do. Yeah. We have a couple of police details. There's, there's two sections. Um, the intersections have been uh, recently, uh, or the crosswalks, I mean, have recently been sort of beefed up with um, with cones and signage um, for as the town's doing that anyway. But yeah, and uh, and also most of the uh, most of the walk where there is rich traffic, there are sidewalks. Yes. So they you're not on the street, you're on the sidewalk, and then when you cross over and when you get out towards towards the Jones River, which is a beautiful neighborhood and a beautiful walk, there, there might not be a sidewalk out there, but there's no traffic out there either, so it's nothing to worry about. And um, now, if somebody can only make it halfway, can they turn around and come back? They sure can, and we'll have a van circulating just to help anyone with that need, or of course, if anyone was was distressed. Um, you know, in, in the past, there have been some hot days where a couple people wanted to ride back, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's not a competition. It's a memory walk, not a memory run or jog or anything. And there's nobody, there's no awards for finishing first. Um, the whole idea is to uh, do it almost like a meditation walk. So um, feel, feel free to just relax and go at your own pace. Um, no one's going to judge you if you're first or last, you know, so it doesn't matter. And uh, the whole idea is to focus on, on, on the moment and why you're doing it. Exactly. And you may have a, you know, a deep conversation with, with a friend or family member that you haven't had a chance to do. And I've had several of those, um, an old friend, showed up who was going through some really hard stuff and anyway a couple of years ago and so glad I had that time with them that's great now this is on October 1st and it, uh, which is a Saturday and if does if mother nature does double cross us the backup date is October 2nd it is correct yeah and everything the time and everything will be the same uh this so the time is actually uh, altered. If it was on Sunday, the second rain date, we would start at two o'clock just to oh. not to interfere with the church schedules, uh, et cetera. So it'd be a bit later. Oh. Saturday should work. Okay. And you can have your recording on if the Patriots are playing. You don't need to be watching that. You can go home and watch it. Right. So I think that's a Sunday or Monday night game for the Patriots anyway. On October 2nd. So, Ken, what about if somebody wants to do a donation and they want to help support Hope Floats? How do we go about doing that? Thank you for asking that. Uh, we, you know, welcome any kinds of support. And uh, the, the best way to donate is is through the website, uh, hopefloatswellness.org. There is a donation button uh, near the bottom of it. And 
uh, and just to uh, promote a little bit, I guess the the website is had recently um, we had had a redesign, and it just really showcases the breadth of services that Hope Floats has developed, and it's it's really been quite a journey for us, um, and we've learned to, uh, or I guess we've been, you know, just life's learning has reinforced trying to keep our feet on the ground through this. And we're, we're so in, informed by uh, people who've come through, whether it's volunteers or someone um, like Tony, who's gone through a group and, and become a facilitator and, and wanted to give back and, and help others. Um, and just to, you know, we hope to respond to the, the needs at hand. I always try to say when someone new is coming into say the dad's group or anyone I meet our, you know, our, our goal is to, to meet you where you are that day, that minute, you've had a crappy day, maybe something happened, some trigger could be something you heard on the news or it's just, you know, whatever's been going on or for people who were, you know, battling through a stigma such as a, a suicide loss and how do you, how do you navigate your life when other people might have whatever views on what did or didn't happen? Um, we just want to meet you where you are. And I think the breadth of services that are shown on the website really introduce that. Um, a, a, a small component I can just mention that that is shown on the website that relates to this is um, Hope Floats is doing professional certification training um, for uh, upcoming social workers is one in in how to how to do grief support, how to provide it in the most meaningful way. Um, and that in, in my sense of it, that is that that can mean kind of um, bringing together um, the the clinical, um, psychological or more clinical perspective with the the model that we use, which is um, peer accompaniment. Um, peer groups. So you, again, you're with, with those who are walking down, traveling the same road. Um, so that there's a certification effort to help social workers on that. We're doing some, um, and this is an, an area to help out more, hopefully in the broad community to help train teachers and school systems who want to help be more prepared when there's a trauma in their school. Um, whether it's whether it's actual, you know, unfortunately, a death or some other traumatic experience, uh, to help teachers gain those skills. So there's a certification effort underway with that. We call it heart training. Um, Denise has a has a great team working on that. Um, so I get what I'm getting at. I guess as the as the website hopefully reflects is Hope Floats uh, wants to be around for the long haul. Um, well, after uh, my wife and I may be gone, we, we're hoping the nonprofit will continue and we'll be reaching out to more schools and supporting families on the South Shore and also in greater Boston. Um, up, we've had, you know, many families say from um, Hull and Braintree and, and going into Metro West, even far out in Metro West, um, past the Framingham area, we, you know, people sometimes travel an hour, hour and a half a ways uh, to come down to us. And um, that 
that says a lot. And also on the, the South coast, uh, down in New Bedford area, uh, and on the Cape, um, uh, people come up, people come across the bridge. Um, and that, that says there's a need and we want to be around for as long as we can and, and sustain, um, this kind of outreach. Yeah, Ken, there'll always be a need, that's for sure. Uh, as long as there are human beings, there'll be a need. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and one last thing that you covered it a little bit. Um, if somebody wants the, is it a is it a brick or a stone in that area where you put you can pay yeah. money and put your loved one's name on it? Certainly. Um, a, um, yes, a memory brick, of course, to honor a loved one and uh, just contact the office of uh, phone number again, 781-585-4221. And, and anyone basically will take your information. Um, and we have a, a little section that we do call the memory garden uh, where uh, bricks are in place. And it's, it's a, you know, it's a delicate thing and it's a small step, if you will, but it, it can be significant. Ken, how much does that cost to do? think it's twenty dollars oh, that's pretty reasonable I mean you can hardly do that for twenty dollars so um, as far as getting the name on a brick and yeah. uh, stone that's that's pretty pretty generous twenty dollars um, well um, we're just about out of time and Ken I want to really thank you for coming on and as you know the title of our show is The Courage to Hope. And you and Denise certainly had a lot of courage to put together what you've done. And and anybody who has never seen Hope Floats, so you see the buildings, uh, the wellness barn out back. Um, it's quite a fantastic piece of property. And it kind of helps you emotionally when you're there to feel more comfortable. And inside the house is kind of reminds me of what my grandmother's house looked like inside and you know it's it's an antique house it's very 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 well done and the furniture is beautiful and uh, again puts everybody in the right kind of comfort zone while they're there and um, lots of parking that's not a problem in the property itself for any event it's plenty of parking and um, so again it's it's October 1st memory walk it's the walk starts at 10 but registration's at 8.30. And I really suggest you get there between um, 8.30 and 9.30 to really um, get a chance to relax and get ready to go out on the walk. Yes. And um, you will have a wonderful day. That's the best thing I can say. It'll be a wonderful day and you'll feel good about yourself. That's really what's important. So this is Uncle Tony. And this is The Courage to Hope. And we've been talking to Ken Brack from Hope Floats in Kingston. And thank you very much, Ken. You're welcome. Thank you, Tony.